Hey guys, this is Phil and this is the Vision Podcast. You are getting ready to listen to one of three messages that Dan Moeller preached at Vision Church. It was our honor and our privilege to be able to host him and man, did he bring it. And I encourage you to take notes, to listen to it uh, over and over. If you're like me, you're going to have to stop it probably every few sentences and write down things that the Spirit of God speaks to you. So grab your notebook, your, your pen, your Bible, and enjoy the podcast. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Y'all all right? Shoo! Man, he was singing, he's the only one, he's the only one. I'm thinking, man, you know... My granddaughter and I have a special relationship and it's, it's actually so unique that I can't talk about it from the pulpit that much because people tend to hear it and compare themselves among themselves or somebody says, well, you can count my grandpa out or that ain't my grandpa or a grandpa say, well, that ain't me. Well, I blew that. It's really hard sometimes to share your personal experience because people don't hear to learn and grow. They hear to judge by it. But we have a unique relationship. My granddaughter, the whole time growing up, was different than any child I had seen personally towards me. And and I would ask the Lord about it. And there was a time where the Lord, when she was nine, I said, how is this little girl like this? Why is she living like this when she's over here? And because I'd get different reports from different family members that she's not always like that. And they would say that in front of her. But she was always like that with me. And I asked the Lord why. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, it's the way she sees you. And it brings the best out in her. Because she sees you for who you are. And she knows how you love her. And it brings the best out in her. And she doesn't want to do anything to hinder that connection. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, it's the reason my name is so profaned. It's the reason everybody's saying so many things about me and people don't know if they can approach me, how to approach me, or if they should approach me. You think about all the things we've said about the Lord. He's responsible for this. I mean, we even call the major tragedies acts of God and have no conviction. We call, we call death and loss and destruction God all the time. I've seen Christians practically give up because they lost a loved one. Guys, we wouldn't even have the loved one if it wasn't for God. You wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have a destiny. We wouldn't have a future. We'd have nothing to live for. And all of a sudden, we, in self-centered deception, turn on the very one that's responsible for all this with a plan so we don't hook up with his plan because our minds are spinning in hurt and pain and questioning and analytics and human reasoning. And all of a sudden, the strategy is that when you look at God, you don't get a clear view so it doesn't bring out the best in you. Ain't that something? Man, I've seen people mad at the Lord. I've seen people go through tragedy and just get so mad at the Lord. Read your Bible. He never said everything's going great. He tells you to endure I don't know how many places. Why would He tell you to endure if everything's cookie-cutter perfect? Why does he tell you, look, if he dies and believes in me, even though he dies, yet he'll live. He who believes in me will never die. Why does he say stuff like that? So you understand and can get through temporal death. So you can get through the physical loss of a loved one and run to the finish line. And not draw back and just pray for comfort and peace. The comfort and peace comes from the truth of everlasting life and Christ preserving us through his precious blood. 
See? So this is the deal, guys. He, he told us to love not our own lives unto death. I'm not sure if we've really understood that. He told us to deny ourselves. I'm not sure we've really understood that. I'm not sure that we've just thrown everything into the center of the pot and gone after this thing. But then when something goes against what we're hoping, somehow it's God. Wonder if he turned the tables and did that to us. See, we just expect that he won't because we know who he is and how he is according to the word. But he made us for his image. He told us to be like him. He told us to follow him. He said, the things I do, you'll do. First John 2 said, if you abide in him, you ought to walk as he walked. Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God, walk in love just as Jesus loved. Not somewhat like. Ain't that something? <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I, felt, I got intense in my heart sitting there. I wanted to make sure that everybody has a clear view of God. In Ezekiel, he said, my people... My people went out from among me and went out into all the nations. They went out from among where they were gathered and they all dispersed and all went out into every nation and said, Pastor Phil, it says, everywhere they went, they profaned my name everywhere they went. In other words, they misrepresented me. Profane is godless. They lived in a godless manner, so there was no who I am being revealed through who they were. Are you with me? Okay, why was Israel a nation? Why did he raise up those Hebrews? Why were they the first fruit in the holy lump? Why out of all the nations of the earth did he just hand select them? Because it started with Abraham, so we know that. Okay, so how'd that all happen and why them? He said, I'm going to raise up a people that the nations of the world will know me through them. So in Ezekiel, he said, that ain't happening. They're profaning my name and misrepresenting me everywhere they go. So what am I going to do? I'm going to pull them all back together. I'm going to huddle them up together. I'm going to take out that old heart of stone. I'm going to put in a pliable heart of flesh. I'm going to put a new spirit in them. But he says this. He says, I'm not doing it for their sake. Come on, we got to get this. We can't be a Christian for us. You can't just be a Christian for blessing, protection, provision. Or life is deciding you and you're only as encouraged as your circumstances are telling you you should be. And now you need prayer to feel better. Come on, I'm just, they gave me a mic. We're going. No turning back. Come on, can we get real? Can we keep this thing real? Listen, we've preached too many messages that benefit us without forming Christ in us. So then we got disappointed Christians. What is that? You got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You'll never answer for your sins. The blood of Jesus has consumed, absorbed, and removed every failure of your life. He caused you to stand before Him holy, blameless, and above reproach, and you're disappointed? you got an issue with God? No, you don't have understanding of God. You're self-centered, self-focused, and you're being deceived. It's the truth. He said, I'm not doing it for your sake. Man, I wish we'd get that. That ain't personal. That's not offensive. 
That's the love of God. He's taking away the biggest stumbling block of our lives. Us thinking for us. I'm not doing it for your sake. And this one makes me cry. I'll hold it together for you. He said, I'm doing it for my great name. What's he saying? I put everything I am on these people so that the world would know me through them and they got it all backwards. And they are misrepresenting the truth of why they're my people. And that every nation they go to, they misrepresent me. You look at today, pastor, you look at today, all the circles, denominations, all the stuff. I mean, we're, there's hardcore wars inside what we call the body of Christ. No, this ain't people just saying, I disagree with you. This is people saying, heretic, charlatan, wolf in sheep clothing, you're going to hell. We're the only ones in, you ain't believing we There's wars. There's hostility, there's anger, they're writing things from Hostility. The Bible says the servant of the Lord should be gentle with all, able to teach. I don't see gentleness out there. If you disagree, (laughs) and by that we prove we have no clue what we're talking about. Because you're going to let what people don't see decide your disposition. When people didn't see, guess what Jesus said? Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Let them see through my life. Yeah? He didn't say, what a bunch of idiots, men. You'd think they'd get it by now. Should I really be hanging here? I mean, if they didn't get it by now, are they really going to get it? I hope this wasn't for nothing. Come on. Jesus took it all and deserved none of it. Took it all to get it off of us and we deserved it all. That's what righteousness means. He didn't come right. Right means you're wrong. He came righteous. That makes wrong things right. It's different. He came and put our wrong on Him to get it off of us so we could stand right. It's how He rules His kingdom. Well, if He rules His kingdom that way, I ought to see you that way. My heart ought to live there. Yay. (laughs) Ain't that something? I'm going to draw them all back. I'm going to put a new heart and I'm going to put a new spirit in them. I'm not going to do it for their sake. Man, I hope we hear that tonight. We just preach way too many messages that serve us without changing us. And then we got let down people that go to church called Christians. But Christian means... Little Christ-like ones. Not I prayed a prayer to go to heaven and I attend such and such a church. Christian isn't church attendance. Christian is Christ-like. Yay. There's no way around this. You in America ask if a person's a Christian. They say, oh yeah, I go to such and such a church. And they equate Christianity with church attendance. Now I'm not saying don't go to church. I'm gathering, assemble. But make sure when you assemble, it's not just your hiding place, your hangout, just your community. Make sure you're not just going there because you like what they do for your kids. You're going there to get sharp so you can live this thing, so you can fight the good fight of faith, so you can stay focused and your life can matter and you can leave a legacy and take fruit into heaven. Yeah? You're not here to survive. You're here to shine. 
Come hell, come high water. You got to love these songs, man. The rain came and the wind blew. Woo! <laughs> Guess who that happened to in Matthew 7? The wise man. Not the man that opened the door. I wonder why all these things are happening. I wonder what door opened. I wonder what God's letting it happen. I wonder what the devil, I wonder why. And we're writing theology as life unfolds. When you should already have it settled through the life of Jesus. You already saw the Father through the Son. He's not up for debate. His image can't change when a loved one dies. He was settled in my heart and rooted and grounded in love. When Jesus hung on the cross, I saw the love of the Father. The love of the Father's not challenged when my mother's sick and dies at age 68 from sickness. That doesn't change the love of God. The love of God is established. I'm rooted and I'm grounded in it. I love not my own life unto death. I'm not a Christian just so my mama doesn't die. I'm a Christian so that in every moment I can look more like Him. So I can live by His Spirit. So I can bear fruit unto God. And not be self-centered anymore. Listen, if this seed never falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And at the end of your journey, even if you live 90 years, you have nothing but you to show for it. So you're just surviving? So it's your goal to survive? It's your goal to shine. It's your goal to walk in love, make peace, show mercy. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flows the issues of life. On this earth to survive? Cut me a break, man. Why did we preach this self-serving stuff? And then believe it. And now it's possible to be a discouraged Christian. Come on. Ooh, I feel that weird quiet in the room. <laughs> discouraged is unscriptural. It's not normal. Don't say I'm high-minded. Keep it real, brother. Gotta relate. No, I'm not relating to what has never produced life. I'm not going to stand here and give you permission to be discouraged when he told you not to consider your own self, lest you be discouraged and weary in your soul. See, I read the book. You're too late. You can't even get mad at me. To get mad at me, you're getting mad at him. It's in the book. I can show you two places, New Testament, where a Christian never complains. Because it opens the door to the demonic. But then when we complain and the demonic opens up and it comes, then we complain more and say, why is God letting all this happen? And now our line of thinking accuses him even more. Next thing you know, even more onslaught. Now we're really frustrated. Now we're just done. We don't even know why. And God just forsook us. And I thought he loved me. And I'm just mad at God. And then we sing he never failed. And we got ten reasons why he did. Now we can't even sing the truth. Come on, I'm being real tonight. He can't fail. Because his love never fails. And he's love. He loves us. That's why the Spirit of God is in believers. Because he loves us. You didn't earn the Spirit of God. He paid for it. Put him in you. Because he wanted to live there from the beginning of time. Before that. Yay. I'm good with this. This is a great message. He paid the price to live on the inside of us. 
And I'm going to let life trick me out of that. I'm going to let circumstance. I'm going to turn inward and make this all about me getting by and get my fair shake and my blessing. I got my blessing. My sins are forgiven. The Spirit of God is in me. I have purpose now in life. He told me it's never again about me. It's never again about me. Deny myself. I didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. It's not if I die tonight and I don't know where I'm going. No. It's not what I did. I gave him my life because it was never mine from the beginning. You know, people commit suicide. It's tragic. They commit suicide. You know what they're doing? They're taking what was never theirs. That's how brutal self, that's how brutal deception is. Tricking somebody so much that they'll take something that's not even theirs. And they'll act and do the most, I think it's the most acted out deception that a man can do is take his own life because he's taken what's not even his. It was never yours from the beginning. It was always him in you. You say, well, it's my life. No, never was, friend. The whole abortion argument. No, it's not your body. It's the body of Christ. He, he never made us, Pastor, to live apart from Him. Separate from Him. So the fall of man is so self-centered. It's so deceptive. The fall of man. We were born into that wisdom. We were trained by it. We had all these rights in the middle of it. He said, she said, well, I feel, well, you should have never, well, I'll come. Well, if you didn't, I wouldn't. That's normal language for everybody. And none of it was from the beginning. And none of it was who we were created to be. It's who we became through Adam. So you must be born again. And we turned that into a prayer. That takes me to heaven when I die. And we celebrate it like it's the greatest miracle on the planet. The greatest miracle on the planet is you being guilty and judged as innocent. Living in self-centeredness and becoming love. And having an absolute transformation of life. Living forever, it was always in the plan because you're one with the eternal one. Adam wasn't made to die. Read your Bible. The day you eat the tree is the day death comes onto the earth. Death wasn't on the picture. That's why eternal life is still ours, because we're one with the one that's eternal. So we're going to pray a prayer to change our destiny when we die and gain heaven and shell, uh, shun hell. And then what? Stay discouraged, self-centered, deceived, angry, frustrated, pride. And, and then just say, well, that's the way we are. It's amazing he considers us. No, let your light so shine. The nations of the world need to see who he is. Arise, shine, church. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. But the light is on you. Come on. This thing has so much purpose called the gospel. It's a restoration of everything God intended. And everything, the trap is that everything we were born into in Adam has become normal to us. So we compare ourselves among ourselves. Our human experience rises above the grace of God that wants to change us. And a lot of leaders and teachers in a well-meaning way say, well, you got to be careful of that. Nobody's perfect. Nobody can this. You can't really, can't really this. Can't really. But when I read my Bible, he says, follow me. When I read my Bible, he says, the things I do, you'll do. When a man was forgiven of everything that he did and didn't forgive his brother, he called him an evil and wicked servant. Well, that's happening every day in the church. 
He said, if you don't love your brother and you hate your brother, you're in darkness still now. That's scripture. Not my message. That's what he wrote. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? The man that was forgiven everything that he owed. Couldn't forgive his brother. He called him an evil and wicked servant. And his unforgiveness caused him to be bound, live in outer darkness, and have torment of the soul. That's the state of a person living in unforgiveness. They're living separated from God. They're in darkness till now. And it's a place of torment because all they live by is what they're in unforgiveness towards. And it's sculpting them and molding them. And the more they cut it off, they think, is the more they're being fashioned by it. Because it's driving them. And you don't talk to the person for 20 years and think you're winning. And you see them in all those fresh feelings. You hear their name and all those things. Why? Because it's alive and it's in the realm of unforgiveness. And it's molding you and shaping you. And it is not the great potter, but it is a potter. Ain't that something? The word of God, Pastor Phil. Says you evil and wicked servant. I forgave you of everything you owed me. Should you not forgive your brother what he owed you? Whew. So all of a sudden I realized this. I have not been touched by the beauty of his forgiveness to walk around and wear a shirt that says forgiven. And I'm not against that if you have one on tonight. I'm not even going to look at any shirts for the rest of the night. Go ahead and wear your shirt, but make sure it's your life. Your life should be a billboard. He forgave me so that I'm so touched by the goodness of who he is that it turns my heart from self-will and Self and human rights and human reason. Well, you can't. Well, nobody should make you a doormat. Well, that's wrong. Well, they shouldn't just. Will you tell me I'm just supposed to put up with everything? Well, when do you take a stand, brother? I ain't letting nobody use me. Wonder if Jesus had that language. Wonder if Jesus just drops the cross halfway to Golgotha. He's not even halfway up the hill and he just drops it and says, I've had enough. This is nuts. Why are they even doing this to me? Like, I've done nothing but good. Hello, check this for three years. Healing the sick, cleansing lepers, raining dead. I multiplied food. All they want is more food. They don't even care what I'm saying. They release Barabbas. He kills a man. I raise the dead and they want to kill me. Something's wrong here. But see, we just expect Jesus to be that way because he's Jesus. Because we've taught him since we were little kids. He's just Jesus. That's the way Jesus is. So he's Jesus and we're us. And he's Jesus and we're us. But that ain't what his word says. He said, follow me. The things I do, you'll do if you believe in greater things because I go to my father. Romans 8 says he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Who he predestined, he called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he glorified. What's that mean? He's not giving you glory. He's giving you the Holy Spirit. Glorified means the ability to manifest God. The glory of God is the manifestation of God. Any expression of God is the glory of God. 
So the Christ in you is the hope of the glory of God. You get it? You see what's wrong with me? I actually believe this. You're out of your mind. Probably out of yours. This is why he came. Over and over in scripture. Second Peter 1, we have great and precious promises by which, through them, we partake of His divine nature. If I live by the Spirit, Galatians 5, I won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Whoa, you can't even preach that in today's church. That's heresy. That's blasphemy. What are you saying? You're perfect? No, I'm saying I live by the Spirit. My heart's transformed. And righteousness is producing its fruit to holiness, and you're attacking the work of righteousness. And you're saying just because you ain't living that way, nobody is. <laughs> See, you can't preach what you're not living. So you base your theology on the life you know. When theology is based on his life. Oh. So if you don't have closets and secrets and you're not one of these pastors that says... Boy, this week, this person, I was so angry at them. Oh, forgive me. I mean, I know I'm not supposed to be angry. How many of you were angry this week? And people were sheepishly, raise your hands, be honest. It was angry. And he says, well, I'm an oracle at the end of the service for all the liars. Assuming that everybody has to be the same. But my Bible says you yourselves are to put off anger. Not manage it. Put it off. Why? Because your life is hidden in Christ. Because Christ, who is your life, when he appears, you appear with him. Beginning of the chapter says, so set your mind on things above, not the things of the earth. In other words, live sanctified. Live in the spirit and walk out truth. And don't take life personal. Take the giver of life personal. Yeah? It's just true. So we just, Jesus can't talk like that. He can't act like that. And we say it's because he's Jesus. So we make him, watch this. Oh, you get emails for this. Just don't even send the emails. I don't read them. I don't even have a computer. Like they just get backed up by the millions. I don't even know where they're at. Don't send me emails. I don't read them. I'm not here to get emails. I'm not building a ministry. I don't have intercessors to pray for your prayer requests over the phone. I'm trying to get you in your bedroom where you know Jesus and He meets you there. Trying to get you to where you actually believe He loves you and that you're valuable to Him. And that you take the time to, by faith, grow up into Him in all things. Not that you don't need your held hand at time and then, but, but, but my goodness, he's opened the door. Go in the room. Yeah. And don't be afraid you'll get like me. Just go in the room. Just go in the room, man. Am I messing up, Donnie? Pray for me, man. Don't laugh. Pray. Don't send me emails. I don't even read them. I don't get on YouTube. People say, oh, there's some people who ain't happy. They're right. And I say, stop reading it. I don't even know. I don't even want to know. It doesn't matter. What am I going to read all them articles for? Them people ain't sitting beside me when I'm on a plane praying for the sick. They ain't, 
When I pull off my car and walk down the sidewalk, excuse me, sir, bam, and God's there. No, they're the people that say when I say that, I'm lying. Or I'm of the devil. Okay, so God doesn't heal today, but the devil sure gets credit. It's crazy. Okay, in the name of Jesus, now the devil has permission because I'm supposed to know that stuff passed and it's gone. Now I'm out of bounds so the devil can move in the name of Jesus because I'm out of my dispensation. That's such a lie. But all that stuff, man, people are thinking hard to stay in unbelief. And I ain't never seen nobody living in unbelief that can tell me they're having a good time in life. I have never seen it. I ain't never seen nobody frustrated shining and unforgiveness shining. I ain't even seen nobody criticizing shining. And the Bible says you're the light of the world. You're not God's assessment crew. You're not God's judge. You're his light. <laughs> and when you're angry, you ain't shining. When you're hurt, you ain't shining. When you're in unforgiveness, you ain't shining. So let your light so shine before men. So then these things that quench the light must be enemies and lies. And we probably ought to push them off. And you yourselves put off these things. Because it has nothing to do with why I'm here. And he didn't teach me that stuff. So where did I learn it? If I didn't learn it from him, where did I get it? I don't see it in him on the cross. Here's, here's why you can't say, well, that was Jesus. When I say he didn't jump to the cross, blah, 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 and you say, well, that was Jesus. No, that was love. See, if you just see him as a special man, you'll never follow him. If you see him as love, you'll pursue to grow up into him because the goal of our instruction is love. God is love. He doesn't do love. He is love. Did you ever play with this? I've been saying it a lot lately because it seems like it's important. It comes on my heart all the time. I say the same thing everywhere I go anyway. I just say it in different ways. I say the same thing everywhere I go. Just come from different angles. There's a burning in my heart. Can you see the passion in me? I could preach. I did a kingdom living school. Who's ever seen any of the kingdom living school? It's like 156 hours. It's 52 days. We probably covered everything. Everything. Just showed up every day. No syllabus. No plan. Just showed up and probably covered everything. But when I travel, this is the stuff that, this is all I see. It's a burning in me. It's a mandate. It's, it's foundational. If we don't get this, what are we doing? If we're not walking in love, you can have knowledge of all mysteries. You can have faith to move every mountain. If you don't have love, you got nothing. Oh, you're aware of your gifting and people honor you and now you identify with your gifting and they want you to read their mail. But if you don't have love, you got nothing. Now you're going to get in trouble and your ministry will lead to pride or something. Or now you sleep with somebody that ain't your wife because you don't have healthy identity. And, and now you're weighing yourself by how God's using you. So now it's important to manifest. How can he say all knowledge of all mysteries? He didn't say most or some. He said all. Faith to move every mountain. That means all faith. Come on, be real. That's a spiritual icon to us. That's the keynote speaker at the world conference and we want him to lay his hand right here. And he said, if that man doesn't have love, he got nothing. So it sounds like love is greater than knowledge of all mysteries. Faith to move every mountain? Are you kidding me? 
That's the closest thing to Jesus we've ever seen. That feels like a goal. But if you don't have love, you miss the point. And somehow you'll get doing things for you, your name, your own esteem, your own image, accolade, encouragement, and you'll just feed off of the praises of men. Something will get weird if it's not love. Because there's a need in your life that's not being fulfilled this way. See, we were all created to love. And when that got blown up by sin, we all became in need of love. And unfortunately, we're all still trying to find the need this way. And there's only one you find the truth through. There's only one that's enough. There's only one that can actually meet that cry on the inside of you. See, we're all created to love and we're all running around in need of love. It makes us weak and vulnerable. It comes into our relationships. Sometimes it's the reason we're involved with certain groups of people and even attend certain churches. Sometimes it's the need. That's why we're so hurt. That's why we're so broken after the fact. That's why after the second time around, we can't get back in the saddle again. Because that thing isn't being met. Because it never can be this way. If I'm waking up for you to love me, I'm only as good as you're doing that. Or as good as you're not doing that. But if I wake up to be more like him. Because I already have everything in him. I'm accepted in the beloved. How can I be rejected by men? See, people that don't agree with you and write nasty things. My friends get, some of my friends get bothered. I try to encourage I say, just stay out of their arena. Just listen. If you're just living Jesus, you're not nitpicking and listening to every word everybody's saying and critiquing it. You're out there loving on somebody. And when you stand before the Lord, you're going to have fruit on your tree. Not a bunch of critical articles. Are you with me? See, because here's the deal. When you know and you can't stop relationship. You, you guys in this room could turn on me, criticize me as much as you want. You can't keep me from knowing him, hearing his voice tonight, laying on that bed you all bless me with. You all bless me with. Thank you. You can't keep me from hearing his voice and knowing him. You can't keep me from living by the Spirit. Because I know him now. You can say anything you want. But I'm not waking up finding myself through you. That's why you can't hurt me anymore. You get it? Why do you think Jesus was okay? He's critiqued on every side. They can't even ask him a legitimate question. There's a trap in every question. There's a motive behind every heart. He's healing and it's got to be the devil. That sounds like today's Christianity theology. And he never changes and he just keeps on being him. Why? He is the revelation. He knows the Father. I can quote it for you. We can look at it. You can look at 1 Peter 2. If you want to make the meeting legal, open your Bible and read it. It's there. It's like verse 19. It says, if you, if you pay the price for something you did wrong, if you accept it, if you do wrong and you take it patiently, the consequences, well, you ought to. But then it says, if you suffer for doing good and you take it patiently, it's commendable before God. For to this you were called. 
Everybody wants to know their calling. I just told you. I want to know my calling. We're thinking arenas, stadiums. Give me a nation. He gave us nations. If we'll shine in front of them. It says the Gentiles will run to our light, not our meeting. It says the kings of the earth will run to the uprising of our brightness, not our worship, all night worship. Not against those things. But what the nations will run to is the light. And here's a good example of the light. When you're done wrong and nobody can tell you've been done wrong because you don't see done wrong. Because you've been done so right. When you've mis been mistreated and you don't live mistreated because you've been treated so good. You don't repay evil for evil. You overcome evil with good. You don't throw logs on a fire you're praying to go out. You don't take life personal. You take him personal. And a Christian walks in love. And love takes no account of the wrong done to it because it doesn't seek its own. Wait a minute. How much account? No account. Well, if love doesn't take any account of the wrong done to it, why are we so busted up by each other? Must be living in that former wisdom, those days of Adam, that thing that life taught us. That self-centeredness thing must still be there at the core of men's lives because now they're hurt, offended, discouraged, broken, frustrated, critical. You take selfishness out of a man's life and none of those things can exist. Get real with me. Be strong on yourself right now. Be your own best accountability partner. If you're seeking first the kingdom and the well-being of his name and the sake of others, could you possibly be discouraged if your life's surrendered and you're living for the gospel? Could you be disappointed with people? Could you be let down by people? That's why when Jesus rose from the dead, his disciples did nothing right. He didn't get up out of the dead and say to Mary, go tell those low-life, two-faced, double-crossing. I'll need three months of rehab because of them, and I still won't be okay. No, we have those ministries to restore leaders because we believe leadership has such a price because of people. Oh, it's believed behind the scenes. That if you're a pastor, it's going to cost you everything. Christianity costs you everything. What's that mean? Everything you never were in the first place. So give up the lie to obtain the truth. Amen. You're not going to hurt me in leadership. You're, you, I don't put my faith in you. I don't put my trust in you. I could pour into you for three years and you just run off the deep end. I'm going to hurt for you. I'm not going to say, I can't believe they wasted my time. Well, I'm done pouring into people. If this is all the respect I get. Wait, when did this become about you? Why aren't you crying for them? I ain't mentoring anybody anymore. People just don't appreciate my time. It's not your time. wonder if Jesus pulled that halfway through ministry. When he rose from the dead, he said, go tell my brethren. He didn't even say disciples. He got more personal. Go tell my family. Tell my brothers. What's he saying? I haven't changed my mind about you. I told you I'd be struck and you'd all scatter. You all whispered and said you'll die for me. Not. <laughs> haven't changed my mind. Love you boys. 
And as the Father sent me, so now I'm sending you. Receive Holy Spirit. They hadn't done anything right. says, if you've forgiven the sins of any, they'll be forgiven. If you retain the sins, they'll be retained. What's he saying? If you go out and love them like I've just loved you, they'll see me and they'll know my love. If you harden your heart and you don't love them like I just loved you and you start seeing men for what they seem, how will they ever know me? You're my body and you represent me. I don't think we understand that we're the body of Christ. That means the embodiment of him. We're the expression of Christ. What an honor that God would grant us the expression of Christ. We've turned it into denominations, theological arguments, and praying for a move of God. Praying for an outpouring. And if we could ever hear clear, he's saying, how much more do I have to pour out than my son and his blood, my word and my spirit? Why are you filled with this unbelief and self-centered lie and waiting for something more to happen? You are the move of God. Arise, shine, church. Your light has already come. It's scriptural. There's no way around that. Ain't that something? Mm-mm-mm. Man. Just feel the gospel. Let me get back to 1 Peter. If you suffer for doing good and take it patiently, it's commendable before God. Why? For to this you were called. For you have Jesus as your example that you should follow in his footsteps. Sounds like we're supposed to follow him. Sounds like you see it in him, it ought to be in you. So if you can't see it in him and it's in you, that ought to be challenged. Like if there's some in you you can't see in him, if there's a way you're thinking you can't make fit in his mind, probably ought to change the way you're thinking. Don't change him. Come on, he's the good teacher. You have one teacher. He's the Christ. Said, learn of me. If we didn't learn it from him, we never learned it at all. And there's a lot of things we say and do that we never saw in his life that we accept as normal. And somehow we separate ourselves from him. But scripture after scripture says to be one with him, to follow him, the worthy expression of him. He said, walk in the light as he's in the light. First John 2 said, any man that abides in him ought to walk even as he walked. Scripture. Woo! What are you going to do with that? Rationalize? Well, yeah, but he couldn't have meant, I mean, brother, we all have our issues and hang-ups. I mean, nobody's perfect. What are you trying to say, brother? Are you saying you're perfect? You're saying you live that way? And all of a sudden, we can't even hear what he's saying because we're too busy debating. I mean, he says, slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. What do people do? Don't want to hear it. Ticked off. Got a whole lot to say. What's love do? Lay down its life for another. What do we do? Live at the expense of each other, the ones we say we love. We cop an attitude. We put pressure on our home base. We can just be driving in the car and throw a fit. Do the silent treatment to the one you say you love. Just silent treatment. Just express that you ain't happy with body language. Play the emotional game. And just prove that it's all about you when you sing it's all about him. 
And then your spouse goes off to work and you're quiet and there's tension. So when they come home, they're walking in to unsettled tension. So now it's a real emotional game because now it's a chessboard. Now you're waiting to see how they respond. They're wondering if you changed. So the first two minutes is weird. So the next four hours is weird. Three weeks later, we need counsel. Why? Because we're waiting on each other instead of walking in love. And now you're making somebody else the reason you're not living Christ. Well, I wouldn't be this way if they didn't. Well, when does what he did matter more than what they did? When does he ever reign? When is he truly king? Why do we let one person decide who we are and how we are if it's not Jesus? Come on. You're going to talk to me like that in a counseling appointment? I'm going to chop that thing into a million pieces. Risk getting you mad at me and watching you cry in the end. I've seen it a thousand times. Because I'm calling you on that crazy stuff. Because that stuff ain't never produced Christ. It ain't about being right. It's about following him. You say, yeah, but they. Get your eyes off of they. And make sure you don't let that reposition you. Because if you get your eyes on they... Now you look different because of they. You overcome evil with good. You don't repay evil for evil. You don't get caught up in a silent treatment. Spouses do it to each other all the time. I remember doing it before I knew Jesus. Now it seems sadly humorous. Sadly humorous. Just silent treatment. Emotional warfare. Psychological selfishness. Hmm. Uh Uh-oh, let me get back to 1 Peter 2. (laughs) For to this you were called. Called to what? Suffering for doing good. And not letting the suffering change you. It said you have him as your example. You should follow in his footsteps. If you look in 1 Peter 2, verse 20, there'll be a colon there behind the word footsteps. Meaning the next things written are his steps, as if there's a one, two, three. The first thing it says is he committed no sin. You say, oh, we'll see right there. You can't follow that. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Wonder if he's not talking about perfection. Wonder if he's talking about he never let the sin against him give the right to justify sin in him. Why wouldn't they did it if they didn't? Well, they'd started it. Well, they're always, they just know how to push my buttons. So go buttonless. (laughs) Will they get under my skin? Get new skin. Everything in, the, in Christ is supposed to be new anyway. It's a new creature in Christ. What do you mean they're getting on your nerves? Get new nerves. What it means is a new motive in life. Wake up to be more like Him. Don't wake up to force somebody to live under your standard and your preference. Wake up to be more like Him. I wonder if in our marriages we would just wake up and settle it in our heart. Our spouse doesn't owe us a thing. That we're just blessed to be in Christ and we're going to walk in love and we're going to value our spouse, period. Hallelujah is right. That would be the will of God. So I've been able to live for 27 years. My wife loves me. She doesn't expect me to live that way. Because now, because she's seen it, she, she values, she loves, she would die for me. She would, she'd jump in front of a truck if she thought it would save me. That's, but I'm here loving her and laying down my life. She would jump in front of a truck. I know she would. Why? Because that self-centered thing got killed and crushed. Now we actually value one another because we see the purpose and value of each other's life through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Not the fact that she did everything I was hoping. <laughs> Shallow. My wish list, my honeydew list, my hero. We got a check in every box. I'm glad you're off tonight. <laughs> Some of you caught that. <laughs> Some of you said, should he have said that in church? Yeah, because we live on a pay scale, rewards sometimes, and sometimes it's works and duty. And sometimes husbands, like when I wasn't in Christ, I'd check every box if it meant something like that. Didn't mean I loved her. It meant I loved myself, and I didn't want to miss out on my night off. Is it okay to talk plain in church, or shouldn't we be real? Wow, the room got weird. I can feel it. The room got weird, because a lot of us get tricked into living that way. And you're just keeping self-centeredness alive. And then what we're doing isn't even pure and for the kingdom and for one another. It's for what we get out of it. It's like saying, I love you. Do you love me? And what you're saying is, I love you for me. You're not just saying, I love you. Why not check all the boxes regardless? Yeah? Ooh! Room's getting a little better, but it's still weird. No, no, the room got weird. Ain't that something? So we're going to follow his footsteps. We're not going to commit sin because we're going to suffer for doing good. We're going to take it patiently. It's commendable God for this we're called. Why? We're in the world, not of the world. We came out of darkness into light. We denied ourselves, picked up our cross. We're following Jesus. We didn't pray a prayer to realign our destination so when the bell rings, we're on the right side. We gave our life. I mean, if you didn't, please give it because that other thing isn't what he paid for. The other thing will keep a lot of things alive that are supposed to be dead. We've learned, pastors asked me a question about pastors and things in my view in all the years just traveling, being around so many pastors. I said, the, the biggest challenge to a local pastor is turning inward and just trying to do better church to where people want to come because people are church shopping. And all of a sudden we can get so good at church and realize we've never become her. And we've let doing church take the place of being her. Now doing church is our Christian identity instead of walking in the light as he's in the light. In fact, you even have rights within that church and you've been here longer and you've been in ministry and who do you think you are? And, I, and I've seen issues in church that reveal we don't even know what we're doing or why. I've seen people leave churches for the simplest things. I've seen people serving in ministry and they feel unappreciated so they leave the church hurt because nobody appreciated the time I, I gave in that ministry. Well, you gave it to get affirmation. You didn't give it for the kingdom. You certainly didn't lay down your life for people. So now you didn't get what you felt like you deserved. Now you're offended and you're going to leave and you're going to take that pain into another building. Two buildings later, now you're sitting on a plane beside me and say, oh, I used to go to church. I don't go anymore because of people. I hear that almost all the time. Oh, I used to go to church. Oh, let me guess. Did something happen people in any years? Yeah, man. People just, ugh, it just ticks me off, man. I'm done going to hang around a bunch of hypocrites. And they don't realize they've allowed their animosity towards them people. Now they aren't even pursuing God. They have no relationship with God and their hearts are hard. So I call them on it. Sitting right in the plane on a flight. And I've watched a lot of people cry over it. 
Because I'm going to talk to you about that. I'm going to say, are you serious? So that's how you feel? So where are you at with God? So you've allowed that to automatically affect your relationship with God. I can actually hear the sting still in your heart when you're talking. There's anger towards people. You learn this stuff. You see it along the way. I know people love their animals nowadays, and it's almost out of control. We treat animals like they're more precious than humans. Why? Because people are mad at people. So it's easier to have six dogs and five cats or 27 hamsters because they breed fast. That's our justification. But, but they don't hurt you, and they're cute. And you just like little hammy in your hand, and he's just warm. And he's just fuzzy. Let him bite you. <clears throat> No, <laughs> but but your little puppy, he's just unconditional. Your little kitty's unconditional. Well, he's lazy and he lays on the top of the couch and he wants attention and cats aren't from the Lord. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I've learned that a lot of people love animals because they're so hurt by people. And they will go out of their way to save an animal and they won't lay there in their life for nobody. Because people have proved themselves to them. But wonder if God had their attitude. He'd have never sent his son. See, that's what we're missing. While we were yet sinners. Christ came. And died for the ungodly. I think that's what we forget. The Colossians 1 says we were alienated in enemies of God. Enemies by the wicked manner in which our minds worked. Yet now he reconciled us through the death. Through his body of death. That we would be made holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. What? A second ago, I'm thinking weird, and it's enemy to God. He says, I know, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. I know you don't know who you are, but I know who you are, and you have a greater destiny than that, and I love you, man. I have not judged this book by the cover. You are deceived. Forgive them, Father. They know not who they are, right? That word's before the Lord all the time from, from Jesus, and he's looking at me in love. Love never fails. Love believes the best. Love doesn't think any evil, and he knows what I can look like when he's in me, and I'm surrendered if I ever understand and see. If he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. He's the light of the world. He's believing I'm going to see. <laughs> On the surface, I don't look like I'm worth a dime. I don't know how to love. I'm hurting my kids. I don't know how to love my wife. I'm running her bankrupt and dry in her heart. I am self-centered to the core. I need you to like me because I don't like me. And Jesus comes and saves me. <laughs> That's amazing. I just think we've missed that. I just don't know if we've been humbled by that like we could be. Don't let self-righteousness rob you of that. Don't, Guys, if God took on the attitude we take on towards others, he'd have never sent his son. And you would not have eternal life. Ain't that something? Giving up on people? Are you kidding me? If God gave up on us, we're hopeless. Where did you get the, the wisdom to give up on somebody? The world. Human reasoning. Human rightness. 
Come on. Wonder if God, whoever, whoever ran from conviction and didn't just go to God and they ran from conviction and you stayed in an arena for a while knowing better. Anybody? Wonder if God pulled a time clock on you. Wonder if he said, ah, that's it. Done. Lord, I'm ready. Should have been ready two weeks ago, friend. Don't even pull that on me now. You had chance after chance after chance. And I convicted you and you knew better and you still did it anyway. And now you want to come crawling to me when your back's against the wall as if I'm supposed to just love you and forgive you because that's who I am. Forget it! Haven't we done that to each other? But somehow we know God won't do that. But we forget we were made for His image. That we're supposed to be following Him and manifest Him and love not our own lives unto death. Well, if you're loving your own life not unto death, then why are you so offended at this one thing? If you denied yourself, why has this one thing got you so... See, because it usually boils down to stuff we need. The people we need most, we believe, and the people we say we love most are the people that can actually hurt us the most. That's where we're most vulnerable, because they're the people we have in our life to meet and fill all these gaps that only Jesus can. The average Christian believes the people closest to me can hurt me the most, but I'm puzzled because they're the ones we say we love, and love takes no account of the wrong done to it. And love doesn't seek its own. So I guess we really don't. I love you. I guess it's I need you. So don't jump ship on me. Don't break my heart. Don't pull out now why things are good. I can't live without you. I don't know what I'd do without you. There's only one that deserves that. We say it and think it's a compliment. It's idolatry. And then codependent people feed off of it. And then they need to be needed. And it gets weirder yet. How's that for straight? You gave me a mic. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm not sorry. Don't even send me an email. I won't read it. Did I tell you that? Okay, good. Somebody's going to post something. Don't read, the, don't read, don't send an email. I don't read, and I'll have that one little three-minute clip. I don't read them anyway. <laughs> it's funny. I got to finish this First Peter 2. For some reason, I keep jumping off on it. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was threatened, he didn't condemn. But he simply committed himself to him who judges righteously. And went ahead and bore your sin and my sin in his body on a tree. Why? So we're forgiven and go to heaven someday? No, read the scripture. So that we, having died to sin, that means it's stain, it's sting, it's desire, it's identity, it's regrets, it's actions. We, having died to sin, take off that old garment and live unto righteousness, put on new clothes. By his stripes we are healed. You see why we pray for the sick? Not because they're sick. Because of the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins should motivate every believer to pray for healing. He forgave all our sins and heals all our disease. He said to the paralytic that they lowered through the roof, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And they 
their thoughts went through the roof. And he said, why do you guys always think evil in your mind? Why are you always just holding counsel right here? What is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise and walk. But to show you the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin. Get up and walk. And he stands up. What's he saying? To be forgiven is to be healed. To be healed is to be forgiven. It's in your Bible. And we fight over it. Like enemies. And then we say God took them. God did it. God's teaching them a lesson. They earned it. God's judging them. It's just the great, it's their lot in life. And then we have all these things going around. All of a sudden, the name of God, this is where we started tonight, is marred in the hearts of believers. So we don't know what to really believe. So ultimately, your own life and experience slowly becomes your evidence of God and what you believe about Him and your theology is hinged on your go-through and your outcome. Dangerous theology. My view of God should be totally hinged on the life of Jesus Christ. And I'm following that till the day I die, which I'm never going to. Yay! You get it? So how do we become all this stuff that I'm crying out and shouting out? You get alone in prayer. You get alone with God. You seek Him. You put off and you put on and you get convicted in the Holy Ghost. You listen to this message and you say, man, there's self-centeredness in my life. I know I do this in my own family. Listen, living at the expense of each other has been an issue and a problem amongst men. Love lays down its life for another. We live at the expense of each other. We put each other through hardship, emotional duress. Like I said, you can be in a family of four and you just cop an attitude that puts pressure on the other three and you force them to have to respond to you. You're being self-centered, you're being prideful, and you're living at the expense of the other three. You're not adding life, you're making a draw on life. Are you with me? Jesus came to give a life and life more abundantly. Why are we always testing life and taking life from each other? Love lays down its life. Well, somebody's got to hold them accountable. Not you, friend. Adjust your heart, please. <laughs> Are you guys okay? No, we can live this life. We just got to be willing. And my question to you would be, as a brother, just here to stir up the, the, the pot, who's really willing to become love when the rubber meets the road? When you're done wrong. Are you going to take that person or are you going to tell two friends? Is that going to become a greater stronghold? Are you going to get the support of the two people that understand your pain? Or are you going to push it away because you understand your life's not your own and forgive them, Father, if they really knew who they were, they wouldn't have done that. And if they did know who they were and did it anyway, then there's something wrong on the inside of their heart. That should bother me for their sake. The fear of the Lord should kick in then. All of a sudden, I'm not the one with a problem. They're in trouble. And they're either blind, confused, or something, but it ain't God. So why, I, why am I letting where they're not decide where I am? Why am I letting what they don't see become my vision? You overcome evil with good. You don't judge a man according to the flesh. I've had some long behind-the-scenes talks on this one because I say it from the pulpit and people hear it to surface because who knows that people have been through some tough stuff? Who knows people have gone through years of some tough stuff? 
But I'm not backing off of this statement. I want you to don't judge it and don't get hurt by it if you're in this situation. But I hear the phrase emotional abuse a lot in the body of Christ. Well, it wasn't physical. It's just emotional abuse. Listen, I'm convinced of this and I say it with boldness. You can only emotionally abuse someone who doesn't know who they are. You're not going to emotionally abuse me. It's impossible. Because I know who I am. I, I, I kind of try to make it lighthearted. I say you'll get emotionally abused trying to emotionally abuse me. Because you're not going to. I know who I am. I'm not waking up to get anything from you. And if I know who I am, my identity is secure in Christ. How can I be emotionally abused? How, you can disregard me. I'll just see that you have a deficit, a love deficit in your life. I say, man, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. If they really loved you and were filled with Holy Ghost, they wouldn't be saying what they're saying and doing what they're doing. Why would I let where you're not have influence on me and begin to shape me? The only reason it can emotionally abuse us because those people in our life, because of whatever their title is, we need them. And they're not providing what we're in relationship for. And if they're our spouse, they should have a different job description and position than what they're living. So it gives us entitlement to be hurt, let down, broken, or have a vacuum. Are you with me? And I'm not a fan of, of the stuff we do where marriage is in the church is concerned. We say God made us a certain way, women, men, and we're supposed to do this stuff because men are a certain way. God, No, no, Adam made us a certain way. God made us a certain way. It's called love, guys. And now we study a fallen man and make a doctrine out of it. And say, we need to understand men are this, women are this, women need this, men need this. No, we just need Christ. We need to find ourselves in Christ. Now the fullness of Christ in our life begin to love one another. Because here's what happens in that message. So the spouse isn't doing what the spouse is supposed to be doing. So the other spouse notices that, notes that, declares that, and becomes something as a product of that. They said, well, I wouldn't be this, but they're not, they're not doing what well, they don't understand that I need, and they're not, and they're not cooperating. This isn't going to work. And all of a sudden, my whole well-being is on the condition of how they're fulfilling what I need. We're teaching that in church. And somehow, we're just sitting there like, oh, okay. I'm not trying to belittle anybody. I'm saying, why is that like, okay? Like, like if my wife, if I need her to be a certain way and she's not, who knows that's going to hurt me, frustrate me, irritate me, or make me angry. But if I wake up to love her, if I wake up to be found in Christ, to walk in the light as he's in the light, and I settled in my heart, she's my wife, but she owes me nothing because I love her. So if I see her living in a way like that, it's not even phasing me. It's actually making a draw on Christ in me. For her sake, where sin abounds, grace abounds greater. That's not what I've seen in Christian marriages. Where sin abounds, counseling appointments follow. And broken heart and hurt and separation and divorce. And let them cheat on me. I've had women tell me they were praying their husbands cheat so they had permission to leave. No, I've heard that a lot. Now, if you've done that, don't you be condemned tonight. 
Just stop living that way. And go, oops. No, that's how simple change is. There's no condemnation or we could never preach the gospel. Come on, there's people sitting in here. You might be on your third marriage. I ain't condemning you. I'm saying, whatever created that, get a revelation and go, oops, and get a revelation. And stop being hurt. Stop being a statistic. Stop being a pincushion, feeling sorry for yourself, gathering friends around you that understand your pain and call out your friends and your support group. No! That's assuring tomorrow's yesterday for the rest of your life. The last thing I need is you to understand my pain. I need you to ask me why I'm taking it so personal. If Christ is in me, why am I so broken? What do you mean, why am I so broken? Didn't you hear what they did? Well, I heard what you said they did, but do you know what Jesus did and who you are in the light of Christ? Why are you letting what they did dominate your life, your disposition, your identity? You're living in need, friend, and they're disappointing you. You've put your trust in flesh. Now your heart's hard. You're going to take that pain into another relationship, bring that deficit into another relationship, and then just say you picked the wrong people? No, you've become the wrong person because you've taken account of suffered wrongs. And love takes no account. So now you're living wounded. It's not even you. It's a very poor version of what you're created to be. Now I'm just being real, friend. So you're not condemned by this. You just say, oops, I'm done living that way. I've got to deal with self-centeredness and letdown and failure and people letting me down. I've got to stop making people my reason for however it is I am if it doesn't look like Christ. The last thing I need is a justification for not looking like Christ. When the just live by... So you name one thing I preach tonight that you can't pursue if you wrap faith around it. You tell me one thing that I preach that you can't pursue and become by the Spirit of grace and by the Spirit of God in your life if you stay consistent and wrap faith around and keep on trucking. Have I preached anything that we can't go after? You take any situation in your life. The winds are going to blow. The rain's coming, man. You sang about it. It's coming to the wise man and the foolish man alike. Satan comes for the word's sake. The kingdom of God is if a man scatters seed. And Satan immediately comes. And then we say, why is God doing this? I wonder why God's letting this. Stop! We're in a war. Quit taking the war personal and take a stand in Christ. You follow what I'm saying? You're in a war. The same storm is coming to the wise as the foolish. It's not because the wise man opened a door. That's our language. I wonder what door I opened. I wonder why God's allowing this. I wonder why he's letting the devil. I wonder what he's trying to teach me. Stop. It's the devil trying to take the words of the kingdoms never built in your life. He's not even trying to kill the occupant in the Bible. He's trying to destroy what was built. He's trying to break down the house. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, the devil's after me. Stop. He's after the word. He wants you to turn inward and get self-focused and feel sorry for yourself and never become what you heard. And be sinking sand the rest of your life. Attend church and never win in the natural. And then just count it off. Well, one day, praise God, he'll get me out of this place. And then his people reduced to just praying for him to come back yesterday. He's waiting for his return in a wrong way. Because he can't take anymore. Stop. It's not why he's coming back. He hasn't come back because he's hoping somebody else repents. He don't pray to get out of here. 
He said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. Just protect them from the evil one. Everything I'm preaching protects you from the evil one. And stop believing his lies. And stop taking life personal. Take the gospel personal. And to see this one life as a gift, not a grind or a dread. We're not trying to make it. What is that? And we're not trying to get through. Come on. We're right smack in the middle of our journey, baby. We should be running well. They ain't no option to turn back. You're going to run worthy of a prize. You're going to finish. You're going to run well. Run this race set before you. Come on. You hear scripture how it's so much more than praying a prayer to go to heaven? We have this great cloud of witnesses of men before that laid down their lives and lived for a promise. We have this great cloud of witnesses. Let us also run with endurance. Let's cast aside the sin which so easily tries to ensnare us. And let's look on to Jesus who starts this thing. And he will finish it if you stay fixed on him. If you just use him to make your life go better, you got the wrong view of why you're a Christian. If you're just a Christian for him to serve you or to treat you better or for life to go better. If you're just, if you're just in this thing for what he can do for you, you're going to be very disappointed and you'll feel like you have a right to be. You're not in this thing for what he can do for you. You're in this thing for you can become more like him. So you can live by the Spirit and walk in His image. Become love. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, wrap faith around this. Pray. Get alone with God. Drive into work in your car. Don't just always entertain yourself and fill space and time and have something. Just gauge your heart with the Lord. Wake up in the morning. I don't care, man. i said this for years in my life. And preaching and stuff. Put, I don't care if you put notes somewhere where you know you got to see them. Like right on your mirror where you're going to look, you know. Somewhere you're going to Put it on the toilet seat. I don't care. Well, somewhere you know you're going to see it. Remember who you are. Just a little note. Remember who you are. Just little triggers to engage this way. So that your prayer time isn't just the list of things you need God to do for the people you care about. So that it's not impersonal, it's just a wish list, a needs list. But you actually are having communion and fellowship with God. Wow, thank you, Father, for loving me. I so appreciate you washing me clean through the blood of Jesus. It's so good to wake up this morning knowing I'm right with you. I appreciate you in the Holy Spirit, and I thank you for the transformation of my life. You might not even totally believe you're changing all that quick, but you know what? You got my attention, Lord. You got my will. You got my desire. You got my want to, so I'm changing. And I just thank you for what you're doing to me. See, it ain't about failing. It's about becoming. And now you're like, Father, I just thank you. Nobody owes me a thing. Man, I just appreciate God. My job, I used to complain. I think I needed another boss or another job. Now I realize I just needed a better understanding of who I am in you and who you are in me. Wow, my job's awesome. What a gift. What a provision for my family. And man, I'm getting to love that guy, the boss. Because if he really knew who he was, he wouldn't be living the way he's living. Man, my heart is towards him. God, continue to rock his world through your love. All of a sudden, you ain't putting in a prayer request. I need another job. I got to get out of the rat hole I work in. No, I pray God keeps you there for the rest of your life, if it takes that, to get a revelation. Because <laughs> if you leave your job for that reason, the same motive's going to show up at the next job. Next thing you know, it's the whole world that has the problem. And God, why don't you just fix the world? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh my goodness, did I get away with that? Nobody even threw a Bible at me or nothing. Phew. What do you say we, what do you say we skip a stone or skip a beat here? 
You want to just throw that down there for me? Thanks, buddy. We just say we just totally just transition into something because we touched a little. We said the reason we pray for the sick is because of why? The forgiveness of sins. A lot of times we just pray for the sick because they're sick. And we call it compassion. It's usually human sentiment. It's usually a, it's a sincere heart. But faith comes through him. He's the author of our faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Praying for the sick is one thing. Having faith for the sick to be healed. The gospel has to be understood. So when you understand that you have faith to pray for the sick because sins are forgiven. That he judges men through righteousness. That by his stripes we're healed because the blood is speaking better things. And here's the cool thing. People, now people need to repent. People got to get right with God. Repent for the kingdom of God. Don't let anybody teach you that crazy stuff that's out there and everybody's just fine. Everybody's paid for. Everybody's going to heaven. They just don't know it. No, that's not true. You got to repent. Don't take that word out of the gospel. It's there and it's dominant. That word is there all the way through. Repent. But here's the cool thing. People that aren't born again can be healed. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus, it's speaking better things because we're ambassadors to God. Because God was reconciling the world back to himself through Christ, not imputing their trespasses. We also are ambassadors now reconciling men, crying out, be made right with God. Why? We're not seeing them for their sin. We're seeing them for their destiny. We're seeing them for their purpose. So that's why in Luke 10, you can go out and whatever city you're in, you can heal the sick there. And then you can tell them the kingdom's here. Well, how can they be healed? They're not even saved because mercy triumphs over judgment. Love covers a multitude of sin. So the mercy of God comes and triumphs over what they deserve. Boom. Goodness of God leads them to repentance. Now you tell them the kingdom of God's here. Why do you heal the sick and then tell them? Because they're going to say, how'd this happen? Why'd this happen? What? I've had people swear, what the blank? You're going to be blanking kidding me. I mean, it's, it's, it's not comical in a funny ha-ha way. It's funny in a weird way. Like, they're healed. It's a holy moment. And they go, what the blank? And I mean, they throw a four-letter deal out there. And you know what's amazing? The sickness don't jump back on them. I ain't never seen it. I ain't never seen anybody. They'd be walking... This military guy, he's walking down the road. You stop your car and get out and pray for him. Big dude. Towards ACL. He don't want to get surgery, but he needs surgery. They got to replace that tissue and redo that tendon. Kneel down. Let me just pray for you. Walk. What the beep? Now, I never seen nobody go, what the beep? <laughs> I never seen it. Do you think God was shocked when he said what the beep? Do you think he caught the Lord off guard? Do you think Jesus is sitting there and the father's doing the three monkeys on the emojis? <laughs> Trying to shield Jesus? I don't know what we think. But we get self-righteous and into works and we don't understand mercy that well. And that's a problem, because if you don't understand mercy that well, you'll never be merciful. So you'll get into works and religion, and you'll just hold men accountable, and you'll give them what they're due, and what they're worth, and what they earned. And ain't none of us got that through Jesus. Man, I'm preaching good. 
this is good. So you pray for the sick. Why are you motivated to pray for the sick? And where's faith come from? Their sins are forgiven. It's the blood of Jesus speaking better things. Yeah? What did Jesus say in John 3? You know what John 3, 16 is, right? For God's sake. You guys know that, right? Everybody knows that one, right? We learned that in VBS when we were little. But then he says this. He says, even as, he says it actually in 14, even as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so shall. Do you hear the likeness? Even as, just like Moses lifted the serpent, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. So we say, okay, signifying the death he was going to die. So we just stop there and say, okay, so he's just saying he's going to die on a cross. That's all he's saying. Oh, my goodness, no. Even as, even as Moses lifted the serpent. So I'm saved not even a year. I'm reading that and I go, there's something more. So I go back and cross-reference the story. It's where they called the manna worthless bread. And Paul in Corinthians 10 calls it tempting Christ. Your provision, your plan isn't good enough for us. And they loathed the worthless bread. Serpents came. It's, just, it's a weird story. They came as biting them. Fiery serpents. Biting them or dying by the thousands. They're going, whoa. They cry out to Moses. We've sinned. These things. Tell God we're sorry. So Moses runs. God. He says, okay, listen. Here's what I need you to do, Moses. This isn't even, this isn't even legal images, graven images you're thinking, right? He says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to make a bronze replica of the thing that's biting them. You guys know this is in your Bible in Numbers? Make a bronze replica. And he said, and uh, put it on a pole and hold it up before the people. And it'll be that if any man was bitten, he's going to be healed. So I'm reading that and I'm going, wait a minute. Why are you making a bronze replica on a servant? Why don't you just lift up Aaron's rod that budded? Why don't you wave a flag that says Yah? And they're like, oh, we got favor. Whoop, whoop. Why a servant? Because they were his people and they knew the Levitical law. And they knew that anything hanging on a pole has been cursed by God. So when them Hebrew people looked at Moses coming out of that meeting place, he makes that bronze serpent. They're watching Moses. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's making that bronze serpent. Now he puts it on the pole. When he stands it up before the people on the pole, they go, oh my goodness, God heard his prayer and he cursed what was killing us. And faith rose in their heart and they were instantly healed. Even so, so shall the son of man. What did God curse? Jesus, God cursed sin in the, and sin shall have no, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He doesn't want you to see a suffering savior. He wants you to see sin cursed and crushed by God Almighty. Because anything hanging on a pole has been cursed. By, 
He who knew no sin was made to be sin. That we might become right in the sight of God. You see what happened? They look at Moses and go, whoa, faith rises, healed. We're supposed to catch that, even as so shall. We're supposed to look at Jesus and go, whoa, my sins are forgiven. No longer guilty, condemned, or ashamed, defiled, regretful. No longer am I reaping what I've sown. Now I step into this new covenant and I begin to reap what he sowed. And the kingdom of God is surely upon me. You know what we continue to do? We continue to live in fear. Self-concern, self-worry, self-preservation. We continue to do all the things he says to never do. And then when things don't go the way we were hoping, we wonder where God was. We're going to find one day that that's a big oops in the hearts of men. Are you with me? Fear just drives folks. This whole COVID thing, we just expressed fear deluxe. Fear deluxe. Ah! wonder if fear... Is worse than COVID. You can hardly preach about this stuff because folks have been hurt by COVID now, so it's hard to preach. Wonder if cancer, everybody, ain't nobody in this room hasn't been touched by some cancer at some level, whether it's a loved one, family, how can you even talk about it? That the whole scheme of cancer is to gain so much notoriety in the minds of men, so much fear, so much esteem that, that men fear the mention of its name. That cancer is the most dreaded thing. They're trembling in the appointment. Their body symptoms, they're freaking out because they're loving their own life and they're scared half to death and they don't want to hear cancer because it's the name above every name because it killed a lot of my family already. And three people in my family already died and I might be next. And all of a sudden, you better believe, now this little symptom feels like this. You're reading, you're reading. Ah, is it cancer killing people or is it fear? I'm not sure how people that love not their own life unto death can function that way. When he who believes in me shall never die. And I don't think scripturally that death is ever the motive because I read Hebrews 2. And it said he's the captain of my salvation and he has destroyed forever the fear of the bondage of death which held me captive my whole life. Man, I read that book. You get it? So when he says, fear not, do not be afraid, don't fear, he means it. Amen? What do you say we pray for the sick tonight? Just because of the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> Yay. It would be a great expression of believing. And as good as you guys are, I'm not going to need you. I'm going to make this room as dry as we can, because he'll still be Lord. Sometimes we only have faith in atmosphere. I think we ought to have faith in him. Sometimes we put all our faith in what we pray. I think we should put faith in what we believe. So we're going to have fun tonight. And I ain't under pressure. Ain't that something? What do you say we pray for the sick? You want to? Okay. I'm going to teach you a little something. Where's my time? Ooh, 8.57. Is that too late for you guys? Hey, I'm from the east. So it's 9.57. I got you by an hour. So you're still got, you got to be good for another hour, and then I'll be another hour, so. And you'll never catch me unless we go my house. <laughs> Are you guys all right? So, so it is. It's 9.57 to me, and you can see how wore out I'm getting because it's late.
So you'll hang in there with me, right? So if you can stay, stay. Don't leave yet. If the only reason you leave is because you really have to leave. If you can stay, please stay, okay? And if I see you leaving, I'm going to ask you why. I'm going to believe God gives me your name and the reason. I'm just kidding. No, this is important. We do this together. When you pray for the sick, listen, every believer should be praying for the sick. Every Christian should be praying for the sick because of the word of God. And these signs follow those that. Okay, so what he's saying is believer. Bible is saying a believer has an understanding that healing is for today and that he will lay his hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. So a believer, according to scripture, prays for the sick. What happens today is we have so many different beliefs and because my mom died, because a friend of mine died that we prayed for, all of a sudden we translate that into a new theology and now God doesn't heal everybody and he'll do it all in his good time and maybe he just did that to teach and da-da-da. Now we have 30 reasons why men aren't healed so now we might as well throw away faith to begin with. Because we're defining what we believe through how life has unfolded. But we all know in our hearts if Jesus touched that person, it would have changed. And that's hands down. I don't care what church you go to. You don't even have to think about your answer. And he's the Christ that lives in you. And he's the Christ that lives in me. Matthew 17 said, if you, he said to you, man, he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move. And the mountain will what? Move. And nothing shall be impossible for you. He didn't say for God. He said for you. That's personal. Now, of course, God gets the glory because we can't heal anybody. But he expects us to understand we're in covenant with him and he flows through us. And when we lay hands, he's touching. I was in a healing service. A four-year-old girl, four-year-old girl came up to me and said, here, I want to give this to you. My mommy said I should give this to you. I said, honey, what is it? She said, it's what I saw. I said, how old are you? She said, four. I said, whoa, wait a minute. What you saw? Because I'm looking at the picture. I said, what is this? What did you see? She took her little hand and traced it. And then she drew a big hand over top. And she said, every time you reached out and prayed for the people, I saw this big hand over top of yours. Four years old. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Just make you want to lay your hands on somebody. <laughs> Four years old. But she ain't got all that stuff in the way to keep her from seeing that. So sometimes I guess you just have to become like a little child or you're not going to see the kingdom because you just seem to know it all. Ooh. Okay, when you pray for the sick, there's two things you'll run into. Lots of different sicknesses, but two things. You'll have people out there, and I'm encouraging you, start praying for the sick in your life. Just step out past your feelings, past your emotions, past their expression, and just ask them if you can pray. Be forthright with them. Just stop them. Hey, looks like you're in a lot of pain. You okay? Do you need help to the car? Can I carry that for you? No, no, I'm good. Well, you look like you're really... Yeah, it's, it's tough, man, but I've been doing this for a long time. Okay. Well, I'll just... Man, here, I'll get your door for you. And you're just being courteous. And it's not manipulation. You have an intention, though. You're going to ask them at some point. You know? You're not just running up. Hey, I'm going to pray for you. And they got two bags and they're heading to their car. And you're talking to them, trying to preach. And they're holding the bags. No wonder they're mad. <laughs> They got a hard heart. No, you have terrible timing. <laughs> so, so you get them to the car, 
And you just say to him, listen, man, there is, there is a real reason I came over. I mean, I cared if, if, if I could have carried your bags, I'd have loved that. But honestly, I'm learning and growing. Come in low. Come in humble and say, I'm learning and growing. And I really have this conviction about praying for the sick. And I just believe if we believe more and pray more, we'll see God do more things. And I don't know where you're at with the Lord, but man, I'd love to pray with you. Please don't say no. I always say to people, please don't say no. It just helps. I don't know. It just seems like they don't say no. I say, listen, I'm going to ask you something. Please don't say no. They'll say, say no or what? What are you? Please, just please don't say no, okay? And they'll say, wait a minute. I just, listen, I want to pray for you. Oh, well, see? Don't say no. Why do people get wigged out when you bring in God? Why can people be fine and be talking to you? And as soon as you mention God, they get offended or they get weird or they turn tail. It's a demonic thing going on. There's a war against the kingdom. You just say, can I pray for you? The worst they can do is probably say no. I guess the worst they can do is pull out a nine millimeter and shoot you. But you're not going to die. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, but you've got to put yourself in position for God to move. So you just ask people and be simple. And when, you, when they let you pray for them, even if they're rolling their eyes and you can tell they're not into it. Don't take that personal. Don't get offended. Don't expect them to be like Shaba. You know? <laughs> They don't even know. They're like wondering what you're even up to. Where's the catch? When are you going to pull out your little pamphlet and try to force them with their arm up wrench to pray a prayer? People are, till you walk away, they still ain't sure because there's a string to everything. And sometimes it ain't till you walk away that they actually re relax and go, what? There wasn't no catch to that. Serious. Because people think there's a catch to everything. I wonder if it's just because I'm learning to believe and I just see the value of people through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I just believe he can heal and he's a healer and I just want to go after that. So you pray for him. Don't pray long. Please don't pray long. They're already uncomfortable. They're already wondering. They thought you were going to put them on your bedtime list and now you're praying in the parking lot. And they're like, what did I get into? I thought they were going to pray for me at home. And now you're standing there, Lord. And they're like, oh my goodness. I was in Cabela's, a friend of mine was down on his knees. I turned the corner. I was actually there to buy a fishing lure, man. I was getting that fishing lure. It was like, I didn't see anybody. No, I'm just kidding. I went and get the fishing lure. My friend's there and he come around the corner. He's, I come around back around to find him and he's on his knees. Well, that doesn't surprise me. He's praying for a guy. The guy's son's behind my friend going. Because <laughs> the dad got talking and he said, can I pray for you? He said, well, sure, I don't care. He thought. I'm going, you're going to put him, put him on the list when he gets home. As soon as he said, okay, he drops to his knees in the middle of Cabela's. The guy's hands on his knees. He's praying. He's like, what the? <laughs> Beep. <laughs> the son slides behind my friend and he's going, my friend don't know nothing. He just knows Jesus. He's just praying. I turn the corner and I just stop like, what? He thinks I'm a shopper going, what is going on? He don't know I know him. So he looks at me and goes, it's hilarious. And he's just like, and I'm looking at my friend because I talked to him a little bit later. I was like, uh, you might want to shorten up your prayer next time just a little. Because he's praying. This guy's looking at me like, what? And I went, I just played along. So he says, he says, amen. And the guy's like, okay, good. He said, well, no, no, we're not finished. He said, 
you got to check it. You got to test it really good. Like, I mean, how would you know? Like if you were healed, if your body was healed and God actually came and fixed your knees, how would you know? He said, well, I would know because I can't. What? And his boy goes, no, dad, stop, dad. Now the boy's freaked out. A minute ago, he's going. And the guy's going. Was there faith in them? They're completely clueless. Guess where faith was? In my good buddy. And he has blocked the world out to give this man Jesus. Ambassador. Not imputing his sins and trespasses. Not weighing him by outward or by his cynicism. He's just locked in. That boy mocking can't stop a thing. Because forgiving father, he doesn't even know what he's doing. <laughs> What's he doing? He's Luke Tenen. He's Luke Tenen. He's in a city. Whatever city. And he's healing what sick? The this is not complex. <laughs> and Holy Spirit's going, woohoo! Boom! So the guy's going, what? And he stood up and he's talking and he's just good with it. He just, he's just a good finisher. He just, man, he nails it. And they end up praying some more stuff. And, and then he looked at me and said, isn't that awesome? I said, man, that's awesome. I love you so much. And this guy realizes we're friends. <laughs> and he's like... It was so funny. <laughs> when you pray for the sick, there's times they won't know if they're healed because it's something that comes and goes. It's internal. You might be in a grocery line and just hear them talking about a test they had and they found something growing somewhere. Man, just tap them. Hey, I couldn't help but to hear what you told that lady. And it seems like you were really concerned. Listen, you got nothing to lose, man. And I wouldn't ask you if I thought nothing would happen. I say that a lot to people too. Especially if they fight me on it a little bit. I say, listen, do you think that I'd take the time to walk over here and ask you to pray if I already knew nothing was going to happen? Please let me pray. And then it makes them think. And they just, and they just let you pray almost all the time. Rarely do they say no. Rarely. If you approach them humbly and just kind of talk to them like that. And they're like, you got nothing to lose. Listen, nobody will even know what we're doing. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm here to bless you. And I believe the next time you get that test, you're going to find that thing's not there. And then your heart's going to go right back to this moment. It ain't going to be about me. You'll probably forget who I even was. But I'll tell you who it'll be about. It'll be about the Lord Jesus Christ because he loves you, man, and shed his blood for you. So, Father, right now, I just thank you. And you're standing in the grocery line. Nobody even knows you're praying. I just thank you, Father, that tumor just completely leave. I thank you that next inspection, the next checkup, there'll be nothing there, not a trace, because you love him in Jesus' name. Boom. End of deal. You say, did you lead him to the Lord? Stop it. I gave him the Lord. And I'm sowing a seed. We always think our goal is to get him in a headlock and pray the prayer, the sinner's prayer. Well, what's the sense of getting the word of knowledge and healing the sick? I've had pastors say this. And you don't even lead them to the Lord. You might be amazed how many people we aren't actually leading to the Lord. We're getting them to pray our prayer. And then we're not teaching them transformation. We're not forming Christ in them. We're just putting them on a list. And they're still hurt and angry and frustrated. And they ain't producing light.
But I'll tell you what, when that man leaves and he gets that checkup, you say, well, wonder if it don't happen. Well, there's no way he can deny that we're going after something. We believe something. There's humility in it. And love never fails. So God's going to do something. If God never fails, why do we fail to love? If God's love never fails, why do we fail to love? So I'm going to love that person. But what happens if he goes and gets that checkup and, he, and it's changed? Oh, now he's got to deal with that. You get it? I've had people in my own hometown, because when I'm passing through and traveling, I don't get to see people again. But in my hometown, I do. They bump into them every once in a while. I live in a big enough town. You can go a long time and not see folks. But they'll bump into you sometime down the road, and they recognize you. I might not even recognize them. Hey, do you remember me? Uh, did I pray for you? Yeah, over it. Oh, I remember you. Oh, you're the one that pain didn't go away. That's what I'm thinking. No. <laughs> I say, yeah, you prayed for my feet. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember you now. <laughs> I'm just being silly. But I'll say that. And they'll say, I went home. I woke up in the next morning. I don't know when it happened, but mid-morning I realized there's just no pain. I'm like, isn't that awesome? Sir, that was over a month ago. I haven't had any sense. And the whole time they're just celebrating, right? And it, and it took them this way. And if I'm not careful, all I can remember is their pain didn't leave. What am I doing wrong? Why am I not anointed? How do I need to shift up my prayer? What you got to do is believe and never stop believing. Wow, thank you for the honor that you let me lay hands on that woman, God. You're walking away. Of course I want her to shout hallelujah. Of course I want her feet to be fine right now. But if she says they still hurt, did we lose? No, lay your hands on the sick and the sick shall. Guys, that's not a cop-out. You can do that and be sincere. That's not a plan B. That's scripture. You look at right now and say, honey, I want to thank you for the... The, 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 the humble honor of letting me step into your world, your little sphere, your little time, and give me permission, man. I'm telling you, God is coming. The kingdom's here. He said, if I pray for the sick, they shall recover. You check on them feet, and when they're not hurting, you'll know exactly why. He loves you so much. Bless you. Have a good day. And when you walk away, they realize you ain't selling nothing. You ain't trying to get them to pray nothing. You didn't try to even get them to come to your church. You just sincerely, boom, now you just sowed wonder if somebody waters. See, the next person comes along and waters and then they reap where they haven't even sown and they think they're a great evangelist because they reap, but they reap because somebody sowed. And now they're holding evangelistic conferences because they reaped. <laughs> so there's the two people you're going to pray for. You're going to pray for people that will know they're healed. You can ask them what pain level there is or ask them what, how would you know you're healed if you're healed? Oh, how would I know? That's how I would know, dude. I can't even lift my arm. Like, I can't even lift my arm. Just two weeks ago, we were in a church like this. Guy, he had surgery scheduled. He couldn't even lift his arm. He had surgery scheduled. This was it right here. He's going, what? His wife's helping him with shirts like a Barbie Ken doll thing. You know, she's dressing him. He's putting on a jacket and taking a jacket off. And she's just standing there crying because there's no way he could do that. He's got surgery scheduled. But Jesus is Lord. So there's people that'll know, and there's people that'll not know. You treat them both the same. Don't shy from one and gravitate to another. If that lady tells you her feet still hurt, if she lets you pray again, that's fine. You recognize her time, her schedule. And, you, and I've seen some beautiful things. I parked my car in an alley and walked up an alley and asked a lady. She's hardly making it up the street. And I said, honey, are you, what's going on? And she said, oh, it's plantar fasciitis. feels like I'm walking on glass. And I said, oh, my goodness. She said, you just parked your car? She said, are you a doctor? I said, no, no, no. I said, but listen, honey, I stopped so I could pray for you. You parked your car to pray for me? And that just touched her. I said, stop. That is not radical. That's a given. He loves you so much. 
I began to weep and I knelt in the cinders, prayed for her feet, and she's completely healed. So now she's walking in the other, and she's making a big deal because I parked. And I make a big deal that he came and gave his life and gave us the kingdom. Me parking, given. Given. I'm not a super Christian, I'm a believer. Because I'm a believer, I parked my car. Because I'm a believer, I laid hands on the sick. These signs follow those that believe. It doesn't say these signs follow those that attend church.